Section 3 of The Theory and Practice of Brewing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Peter Musgrove. The Theory and Practice of Brewing by Michael Combrun. Section 3 of The Nature of Air. None of the operations, either of nature or art, can be carried on without the action or assistance of air. It is a principal agent in fermentation, and therefore brewers ought to be well acquainted with its principal properties and powers. By air we mean a fluid, scarcely perceptible to our senses, and discovering itself only by the resistance it makes to bodies. We find it everywhere incumbent on the surface of the globe, rising to a considerable height, and commonly known by the name of atmosphere. The weight of air is to that of water as 1 to 850, and its gravitating force equal to that of a column of water of 33 feet high, so that an area of 1 foot square receives, from air, a pressure equal to 2,080 pounds weight. Elasticity is a property belonging only to this element. We scarcely find this element, any more than the others, in a pure state. One thousandth part of common air, says Boerhaave, consists of aqueous, spiritus, oily, saline, and other particles scattered through it. These are not, or but little, compressible, and in general prevent fermentation. Consequently, where the air is purest, fermentation is best carried on. The same author suspects that the ultimate particles of air cohere together so as not easily to insinuate themselves into the smallest pores, either of solids or fluids. Hence, those acquainted with brewing easily account why very hot water, which forces strong and pinguous particles from the malt, forms at the same time extracts unfavourable for fermentation, as oils are an obstruction to the free entrance of air, and, from an analogous reason, extracts which are much less impressed with fire in them fermentation is so much accelerated that the whole soon becomes sour. Air, like other bodies, is expanded and rarefied by heat and exerts its elasticity in proportion to the number of degrees of fire it has received. The hotter, therefore, the season is, the more active and violent will the fermentation be. Air abounds with water and is perpetually penetrating and insinuating itself into everything capable of receiving it. Its weight, or gravitating force, must necessarily produce numberless effects. The water contained in the air is rendered more active by its motion. Hence the saline, gummus, and saponaceous particle it meets with are loosened in their texture, and, in some degree, dissolved. As principles similar to these are the chief constituent parts of malt, the reason is obvious why such, which are old, or have lain at proper time, exposed to the influence of the air, dissolve more readily, or, in other words, yield a more copious extract than others. All bodies in a passive state, remaining a sufficient time in the same place, become of the same degree of heat with the air itself. On this account, the water lying in the backs used by brewers is nearly of the same degree of heat as the thermometer shows the open air in the shade to be. When this instrument indicates a cold below the freezing point, or 32 degrees, if the water does not then become ice, the reason is because it has not been exposed long enough to be thoroughly affected by such a cold. 
for water does not immediately assume the same degree of temperature with the air, principally on account of its density, also from its being pumped out of the deep and hot wells, from it being kept in motion, and from many other incidents. Under these circumstances, no great error can arise to estimate its heat equal to 35 degrees. Air is not easily expelled from bodies, either solid or fluid. Water requires two hours boiling to be discharged of the greatest part of its air. That it may be thus expelled by heat appears from thence. Water, if boiled the space above mentioned, instead of having any air bubbles when it is froze, as ice commonly has, becomes a solid mass like crystal. Worts or musts, as they contain great quantities of salts and oils, require a greater degree of heat to make them boil. Consequently, more air is expelled from boiling worts than from boiling water in the same time. And as air doth not instantaneously re-enter those bodies, when cold, they would never ferment of themselves. Were it not for the substitute of yeast to supply the deficiency of air lost by boiling, they would fox or putrefy for want of that internal elastic air, which is absolutely necessary to fermentation. As air joined to water contributes so powerfully to render that fluid more active, that water which has endured the fire the least time, provided it be hot enough, will make the strongest extracts. Though there is air in every fluid, it differs in quantity in different fluids, so that no rule can be laid down for the quantity of air which worts should contain. Probably the quantity sufficient to saturate one sort will not be adequate proportion for another. Air in this manner encompasses, is in contact with, confines, and compresses all bodies. It insinuates itself into their penetrable passages, exerts all its power either on solids or fluids, and in finding bodies some elements to which it has a tendency, unites with them. By its weight and perpetual motion, it strongly agitates those parts of the bodies in which it is contained, rubs, and intermixes with them intimately together. By disuniting some and joining others, it produces very singular effects not easily accomplished by any other means. That this element has such surprising powers is evident from the following experiment. Fermentable parts duly prepared and disposed of in the vacuum of Mr. Boyle's air pump will not ferment, though acted on by a proper heat, but, discharging their air, remain unchanged. End of section 3 This recording by Peter Musgrove